Today's episode is in partnership with Sam Stubbs, founder of the Simplicity KiwiSaver Scheme. Sam and the team at Simplicity are committed to making everyday Kiwis richer and smarter with money as the low-fee, non-profit KiwiSaver and investment funds provider. Welcome to the 1UP Project. Money is fuel that, that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself. And if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today I have a special return guest, Sam Stubbs, founder and managing director of Simplicity, the non-profit low-fee KiwiSaver and fund manager. Sam, thank you so much for your time again. Oh, you're welcome. I think it was a couple of years since our last meeting. Yeah, yeah it has cool. been. A lot yeah. has changed, a lot oh. has grown. A lot happens in two years, even at my age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about all of it. Today yeah. we, um, we're going over four common misconceptions of KiwiSaver yep. and if you, anyone who's listening, follows me on TikTok, you'll know how much abuse I cough in the comments from people who don't fully understand KiwiSaver but have a lot of thoughts about what it is and how it works which aren't necessarily true. So I right. want to bust some of those myths yeah, today sure. and talk about them. But before we sort of jump into the KiwiSaver content, I'm keen to hear from you, your approach to money, why you started Simplicity, what's kind of the dream and the vision here? Yeah, sure. So um, we, we, we sort of an, an eternal company, right? We're a non-profit and that means owned by charity and that means that we'll never make a dollar. So we'll never be worth a dollar. So we'll never be bought or sold, right? So we're designed to be here forever. Kind of like Southern Cross, in medical, they're also owned by charity. And so it's a really long-term project. You know, we're only six years old into a 100-year journey. Um, and the idea is to give New Zealanders um, as much money as possible so they have the choices and dignity in life that you get when you have money, right? Because poverty sucks. So, exactly. you know, we, 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 we're sort of like an anti-poverty machine. Um, and we, you know, we do it in KiwiSaver and investment funds and low-cost mortgages and affordable housing for rent and all these sort of things we're getting into are just all about making Kiwis wealthier. And no one makes any money along the way except our members who invest with us. Mm, yeah. That's what we love. So why do you think KiwiSaver in particular, that product, is directly related to being that anti-poverty machine? Yeah, look, I think it's the best thing that we've done financially as a country for, gosh, generations. And the, for the simple reason of this is, you know, let's forget about it in the New Zealand context, what has Saving for Retirement done internationally? Well, if you have a look at the wealthy countries of the world, they all have citizens who save. Every single one of them, right? You can look at Australia, Singapore, the whole of mainland Europe, United States, Canada. So uh, having a pension scheme where people save for their retirement is really quite closely linked to economic growth, more jobs, better paying jobs and so on. Because what it means from a New Zealand context is we stop putting all of our money into housing and paying off the mortgage, mm -hmm. uh, which worked for our parents and grandparents but isn't working now. And we start putting money into companies that are growing and we start putting our money into you know, um, uh, all of those other things that generate economic growth. So that's why it's a good thing. And the, great, the really great thing about it is it can be really big. So KiwiSaver is, what, about 13 years old now and it's got about $90 billion. 
it's going to get into being hundreds of billions of dollars of New Zealanders' money, a lot of which will be invested in New Zealand, generating the jobs and so on. And because that money will grow in value over time, as it does, we'll be wealthier when we retire, you know, and we're living longer and we'll need more money. And so it's pretty simple, eh? You know, it's sort of like, forget about calling it KiwiSaver and a pension fund. If you just said, look, what's the sensible thing for you to do? Well, it's to save a little bit of money while you're earning money for your old age. And that's what we're doing now. And KiwiSaver is just a, you know, it's just a legal structure. It's just a mm. way of doing it. The huge advantage of it is it's government regulated. You know, it's got a brand name which is so big and so valuable now and would be so damaging for the government if it went wrong that you've got the government and the regulators and the supervisors are all, you know, very closely focused on making sure that this stays a success and that, it's, that, 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 that there's no fraud or corruption or anything like that in it. And then also I think the really lovely thing about KiwiSaver is your money sits with a custodian. So in our case it's the public trust which happens to be owned by the government. So as an investor, we never touch your money. We can't. It sits there in your name for you. So, you know, fund managers can make some bad decisions every now and again about how that money is invested, but no one can steal it. It, it it's unstealable in that sense. It sits there uh, with an independent custodian and we never can touch it. Not a cent, not ever. Mm. All we ever do is manage the money. Mm. We never touch the money, right? So I think that's really important too in terms of safety. A lot of people don't know that. It's an incredibly, incredibly safe place to put your money. Yeah, I think yeah. that context is so important. And KiwiSaver has been something I've spoken a lot about since I started this podcast because I didn't get into KiwiSaver until three years after I started working. Yeah. And that was just due to misinformation yeah. from my family and my really? parents who didn't really know much about KiwiSaver, oh. didn't want to put their money into it. And so then, of course, in no fault of their own, they just didn't have that education right. either. But, of course, that came down onto me oh. and then influenced my decisions. And so you missed out on $1,500 of free money. Exactly. So I missed uh, out on I missed out okay. on that I missed out on the growth in the first three years, yeah. but that's okay. I'm in there now, and I cool. definitely know way too much about it um, for the average person, which is great. And and I can talk about it so much on this podcast as well. But it kind of leads me to the first m- misconception that you've covered a lot of already, which is people saying that the government is stealing our money or it's yeah. a scam, and people not really trusting the government yeah. to yeah, no, have I get their it. money. And listen, there's some people who don't trust the government to do anything, right? Yeah. Uh, until they break their leg and then suddenly they trust the hospitals, which are government-funded, to fix them, or then they want their kids educated and suddenly they trust the schools. So, look, if there are going to be the people who think it's a government conspiracy, we'll just leave them to their own thoughts. But in terms of, you know, people say, look, it's a scam, you know, the government's taking your money, don't trust it. I'd say, well, I'd answer that question with a question. Show me. Show me a dollar that's been taken by the government. Show me one person. Give me one example of where the government's taken your money in 13 years and $91 billion later. Show me the one dollar that the government's stolen, and they can't because they haven't. And look, you know, the government takes our money, right, in the form of taxes. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of used to, oh, this is just taking more money from us. I, you know, I, I, I get, I get that. I get how you might have that feeling, but literally, show me the money. The government came along to our trustee public trust and said, "We'd like some KiwiSaver money, please." They would say, "No, mm. we're not. You're not legally can't do that. Mm. We can't give you somebody else's money. The money is in your name. 
Yeah, that, that context is really important because before you mentioned something that you know it's with an independent custodian. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah, well, so there are licensed independent custodians by the government. So our government conspiracy theorists will think, ah, oh, the government licensed them, so they're taking the money. But they're licensed by the government. It's extremely hard to become one. There are actually only three of any substance in New Zealand. And every KiwiSaver manager, and in fact, nearly every fund manager has to put all of their money with one of these custodians. And um, the money is in your name for you, uh, not the manager. So the manager is just the manager. And so let me give you an example of how that works, right? Let's say simplicity went bust tomorrow. Let's say something catastrophic happened in our business. What would happen is the public trust who have all the assets on behalf of our members would just say, okay, simplicity, you're now fired as the manager and we're going to appoint somebody tomorrow. Nothing would change in your investments. Mm. Nothing would go wrong. You'd lose no money. It would just be the firing of one manager and the hiring of another. Th- those independent custodians, are, they're very tightly scrutinised by the government. It's extremely difficult to become one. They have a massive amount of supervision. And they are the front, what we call the frontline supervisors for KiwiSaver. So in most instances, we deal with them in terms of dealing with our you know, compliance and where the money goes and so on and so forth. And they're really good at what they do. You know, so so uh, it's very hard. You know, it's harder to become one of them than it is to become a KiwiSaver manager. Mm. Much harder. Okay, yeah. I think another gap in, in the knowledge where people say the government is stealing our money comes down to a bit of share market one hundred and one, and people thinking that oh. fluctuations in a share market mean the government is taking and giving yeah. our money back and forth yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of people who just have a savings account, right? They put the money in, it never goes down unless they take money out. Mm. So if anything goes down, someone must be taking my money. Mm. So I get that. So, gosh, how the share market works. Well, just very simply, right? If you have a company and imagine that you cut it up into a million different bits and you called every one of those bits a share in the company, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll give you you a little bit of a history lesson there. The word shareholder comes from the first ever company called the British East India Company. And what they did is they wanted to trade in spices around the world and they had these ships that they sent out to go and get spices and bring it back to London or Amsterdam or whatever and sell them. But they were really expensive journeys, right? So what they did was they said, well, no one can afford to fund a whole ship. So we'll sell shares in the ship Mm. and we'll sell shares in the goods that are in the hold of the ship. Right down the bottom of the ship, it's called the hold. So when they bought back the spices... I was a share, I had a share in what's in the hold of the ship. I was a share holder, mm. right? So I owned a piece of that. So just think about that. There's no difference between a ship and a company. You just own a piece of the company, a little piece of the company. And that means you're entitled to a piece of the profits of that company. And if the company gets sold, you're entitled to the value of your piece of the company. Now, what that means, of course, is that companies have good times and bad times. They make more and less money. So the value of your piece of that company, of your share of that company, goes up and down depending on how well the company's doing. And that gets decided, the value of that gets decided daily by what a buyer and a seller are prepared to trade your piece of the company for. So if you said, say, you owned a piece of Apple and today it's worth a dollar and you said, I wanted to sell it, someone said, yeah, I'll buy that for a dollar and then the next day they have a really bad announcement. They've lost money or made lots of money. And suddenly someone says, I want to sell that for a dollar. And then the buyer comes and says, no, 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 there's bad news out there. Mm. I'll, but I'll buy it for, for you for 90 cents. And so the share price value of Apple goes from a dollar to 90 because a willing buyer and seller could only trade it at that price, right? Mm. 
Because the thing about these things is there's theoretical value, but when you're buying and selling a piece of a company, then you really find out what someone else thinks it's worth. And so every day on the share market, millions of people are saying, I think it's worth this, I think it's worth that, and they trade at a level. Just like if you took the spices off the ship and you took it to the market and you said, what would you sell, what would you buy my spices for, right? So it's as simple as that. So when companies go down in value because somebody doesn't want to pay so much because there's bad news or they haven't made as much money, in theory, that's the whole value of the company goes up and down because in th- even though you've only traded one share you know, between two people, that price affects all the other shares because mm. if someone else wanted to sell, they'd say, oh, well, this is what it's suddenly worth. And so if you have a KiwiSaver account and you have shares in Apple and one day they were $1 and then the next day they're $0.90 cents because that was the price that somebody somewhere in the world was prepared to pay for a, your, someone's piece of the company – you look at that and you go, I've lost money. Where is my money gone? Someone's stolen my money. No, no, just your value of the piece of that company, your share of that company is not worth as much because someone's not prepared to pay so much today. But tomorrow there might be a great piece of news and then it goes up to 110, right? But here's, here's an interesting thing. You don't then go and say, as, a, as, a, as an owner, you say, who put money into my account? My shares have suddenly gone up in value. This is so wrong. I'm worth more money. No, you say, no, no, of course, of course, I was a smart investor and I'll take the free money. It's only when I lose it that I want to know what's going on, right? And uh, there's this thing in investing called loss aversion. And what that means is that's just a fancy pants term. The real meaning of that is that we um, hate losing a dollar more than we love making a dollar. When we're making money, it's just perfectly normal and wasn't I smart and made the right decisions and this is capitalism working. As soon as I lose a dollar, hold on, who's at fault? Mm. You know, because you hate losing money. Mm. You hate losing money much more than you love making money. You know, if someone, had, if someone stole a dollar from you, you'd feel really pissed off. If someone gave you a dollar, you'd feel quite nice. Mm. But the, the stronger emotion would be losing the money, eh? So what's the lesson then for those of us who feel <laughs> that way? Like when we're trying to ride out those fluctuations... What should we be thinking about when we yeah. know we're going to come into this volatility and we're, we're thinking, oh, yeah. God, we don't even know. Is, is it exactly. going to go down? Like, yeah. What should we be thinking no, about? No, it's a great question, eh? Because these things can be emotional and it's your money, eh? Mm. Yeah, you lost his money. Well, I, I guess there are two things I'd say, and, and they, they sound kind of simple and a bit trite, but there's a lot of truth to both of them. The first one is don't panic, right? Share markets go up and down. I've been through six market crashes in my lifetime, and every single one of them, you read the papers and you think, Oh, it's the end of the world, right? And so I wouldn't pay too much attention to what you read or what other people say when one of these things happens. Just realise that this is this is capitalism. This is the normal ups and downs of the market. Like in life, right? Mm. You have good times and you have bad times. And the bad times is at the end? No, it's not. It gets better. And it does with financial markets too, right? Financial markets are nothing other than a whole bunch of humans setting up companies and running companies. So they're a little bit emotional and a little bit volatile like we are. Right? The second piece of advice is as long as you're diversified, as long as you've got lots of different investments in lots of different places and pretty much every KiwiSaver account's got that, you're going to be okay, right? Because you're not relying on Apple share price. You're not relying on one company. You're not relying on one decision. This is, you just invested in the whole world, really. And that means that you are um, much more like, well, you're not going to get as hurt as if you had just had one bet, right? I'll tell you one other thing too, and this is going to sound a little bit silly, but there's, think about investing in markets like a pair of shoes, your favourite pair of shoes. Let's say you love buying shoes, 
and and or you know fishing gear or whatever you love doing imagine that and imagine if you bought a pair of shoes one day for a hundred dollars and then the next week when you come to buy another pair of shoes the shoes are fifty dollars what do you think it's good eh yeah yeah shoes have gone on sale this yeah. is fantastic I'm buying a bargain well think about investments like that and Warren Buffett, the world's most successful investor, said, when markets go down, I rejoice because everything that I wanted to buy last week, I can buy this week on sale. Mm. So it's just like investments go on sale. <clears throat> now, if you're spending $100 a week on shoes, wouldn't that be nice? If you're spending $100 a week on shoes and you get one pair of shoes one week and two pairs of shoes for that $100 the next week, whoa, you're getting a bargain. That's Soaked. fantastic, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so just think about investments. When in markets go down, you should be happy as an investor, because you're going to get more for your money mm. over the long term, right? So, so that's how you. That's how I think about volatility. Now, of course, that's a bit scary, eh? Because everyone says markets are going down. It's horrible, and so on. So, that's why I say keep calm, just keep cool. It's going to be okay. And in hindsight, you would have looked back on that and thought, what a bargain. Now, you've you've just been through this, right? With COVID. The markets took a huge dive in COVID, massive panic. And we were on, I would, in fact, um, uh, we were having a, a, a podcast every day to our investors saying, don't panic. This is what's happened. You're at, if you're saving every week, you're going to be buying stuff in a bargain when you look back on it. And you absolutely were. But at the time, it feels scary, eh? Mm. Feels really scary. And what we want to do as animals is we have this loss aversion, so we're scared of losing our money. All we want to do is gather together all of our nuts and keep it all in our little hutch close there and look possible. at them as close as possible and be safe. Yeah. You know, and you don't feel as if you're safe when you're losing money. But if you're very diversified and you have a lot of different investments, you know that you can afford, you know, you, you, you've got enough nuts there to feel safe. Yeah. So that's why staying diversified is really important to remove the emotional. You've got to remove the emotion from it. I think the safety and security element, like psychologically, is so important it as is, well. It eh? is, There's a really lovely phrase I love. I don't have any new ideas, but I love Nick and other people's great phrases. This is one by another very famous um, investor. He said, short-term financial markets are a voting machine, but long-term they're a weighing machine. What I mean by that is, it's emotional when you vote, right? You make a short-term decision. There's quite a lot of passion flying around. But long-term, financial markets are sensible and rational. And when you get something like COVID, which is incredibly scary, which would have you vote, panic, panic, you know, saving money. But long-term, the financial markets realise, you know what, these companies are surviving, they're still making money, online sales is going to go crazy, those companies will do well, and the markets recover. It happens every time. You're hugely rewarded in financial investing in KiwiSaver for being diversified, which you are when you're in a KiwiSaver fund. So you've already got that served up to you. That's fantastic. It's the, a free gift in investing. But you get massively rewarded for keeping your cool mm. and, and, and playing the long game. So uh, if any of your listeners are concerned at the next panic, just here's my number, 021-491-547, and Granddad Sam will... Calm you down and tell you this is going to be okay. Great. Everyone's yeah. heard it here first. There you Get go. the mobile locked into the phone for the next time you're panicking. Um, 
That's great. And I appreciate the history lesson too. I just read a book about that actually called Sapiens and it's a Oh yeah, Noel, Noel Harari, yeah. Amazing writer, eh? It's a, yeah, it was a really, really interesting yeah. book. He's a, he's a very gifted individual, that, mm. that man. So moving on to the second misconception, uh, just around KiwiSaver being a forced scheme. And I think yeah. this comes back to what we we're talking about where people feel this lack of control, like I've been forced to opt into yeah. this thing and I don't even know what it is. And yeah. yeah, sure. Well, you know, you can opt out. You can yeah. get out of KiwiSaver when you feel like it, right? So there's automatic enrollment for a whole bunch of people. And that, you know, you should pretty much feel comfortable about that because it will go into a default fund, which is a balanced fund. There's one of six providers. We're one of them. They're very closely supervised. It's a balanced portfolio. It all makes sense. So as an investment option, it's perfectly okay for a lot of people. It's not necessarily the perfect fund for them, but it's it's cool. Um the other thing too is, of course, is that when you start enrolling in that, you start making contributions and your employer starts making contributions, so you're starting to save money. You are also, you know, you're lining yourself up for that free government money too, right? So mm. a very simple way of putting it. It's a little bit fancier than this, but I, I like to make things simple. It's basically for every, uh, up to $1,000 a year, for every $20 you save, government's going to give you $10. Free money. Exactly. Like it's the only free money I know of. Like it is, if you said to me, Sam, what's the wisest investment thing you can do? The first thing I would say is if you're an adult over 18, you must be in KiwiSaver and you must be contributing $20 of your own money a week. If you do nothing, well, you should do other things, but that should be the first thing you do and then you'll get some free money. And by the way, that applies because people think, oh, I only own a salary. No, no, no. If you're a tradie, Mm. you should be absolutely doing it. If you're unemployed and can afford it, you should be absolutely doing it. If you are an adult over 18, it doesn't matter who you are, you absolutely have to have a KiwiSaver account and be contributing $20 a week minimum into it and you'll get free government money. There is no other free gift I know of like that. Yeah, absolutely. You this know. is the first year I've had to do it manually because I've <coughs> oh, yeah. self-employed now, whereas before yeah, it's totally. always just been automatic that I've received it and yeah. to worry about it. So this year I was like, right, I need to make sure, like you say, if I'm going to do one thing, if I... You know, do anything with my investments is making sure they have enough money in there yeah. for the government contribution. Or, or just set up a direct debit or an auto payment. Yeah. Just 20 bucks 20 a week. A week. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. Eh? I tell you, an interesting, would you like to hear my Get Rich Slowly scheme? I'd love to hear Super it. Super easy. This is how you can get rich. I can pretty much guarantee this. Can't wait. Um, so, but it will happen slowly. So, here's what you do it's an idea of Albert Einstein. So, Albert Einstein said the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest. Well, what does that mean? So, so here's what it means. Um, if you go to the sorted website, you'll see that if you put your money into a balanced KiwiSaver fund, you'll get about 5.5% uh, return a year, right? So let's assume that as a return. But here's, here's what I do. By the way, I do this for my own kids. As soon as a child is born, or as soon as, as early as possible, you know, as soon afterwards, set up a KiwiSaver account for them and just put in a cup of coffee a day, right? Just what, the price of a cup of coffee a day. And get together with your grandparents and parents or whatever, We'll put in 50 cents a dollar, but just make it $5 a day, which is the current price of a cup of coffee. The reason I say a cup of coffee is because if the price of a cup of coffee goes up, and that's because inflation's going up, that means you're always saving saving the same value, Mm. right, relative to your income. So $5 a day, if you did that, by the time you're 25, guess how much money you would have by being in a balanced fund according to the sorted website. It's about $71,000. Now you imagine if you were a 25-year-old looking to buy your house and that was your house deposit. Right, or that goes towards your house deposit. 
it's it's yeah. a lot of money, eh? and that's five dollars a day. That's that you could get four grandparents at a dollar a day, and you put in a dollar a day. Yeah. And that's what you would give your grandchild. Now that's just a balance fund. That's not even a growth fund. It's a balance fund. So, so um, that's how you get rich slowly. And in fact, that would be worth if you didn't touch it for your house and you just kept it going. A cup of coffee a day, if you could afford a cup of coffee a day. And I know some people can't, but a lot of people can. If because in particularly if it's out of sight, out of mind, just make it an automatic deduction so you never see it go. That would be about four hundred and thirty dollars. Mm. Four hundred thirty thousand. Mm. Sorry, by the time you retired. Now that's in today's money. Remember, that's inflation adjusted, right? It goes up with inflation. So, so that's like retiring. Every New Zealand, if every New Zealander had a KiwiSaver account when they were a kid and had a cup of coffee put into it today, we would all be retiring with four hundred thirty thousand dollars or something like that. You know, of that magnitude, that would make a tra- massive difference mm. to old age poverty in New Zealand. That would make you be. There's a whole lot of choices and dignity in life. That's the power of compounding interest. That's why Albert Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world because it just compounds and compounds. You know, the money that makes money makes money, as Benjamin Franklin, who was a US politician, would say. And that just works for you. And it's almost invisible and you don't see it happening. And, you know, it's in a diversified KiwiSaver account, just keeps on going. That is why, you know, I'm very passionate about KiwiSaver being compulsory because if you opt out of KiwiSaver, you opt out of that. That is not not a possibility. And you well, you may save in other areas, and you may get rich other ways. But for everybody, wouldn't be wouldn't it be nice if that was the minimum outcome? Yeah, for all New Zealanders. And it also speaks to the importance of being consistent with continuing to yeah. contribute. Well, here's the thing. You know, Warren Buffett again, this famous investor, he says, "I'm almost negligent with my investments." Yeah. You know, it says, and by the way, this is what I do. I just. Automatic deductions from my salary into KiwiSaver. Don't think about it, mm. and and you don't want to think about it too much because you don't have too much control anyway. You can't control the investments in the account. You exactly. can't control financial markets. You can't control what the Reserve Bank does with interest rates. So why bot, why why focus on something you can't control? Right? Why why waste your energy on that? Set it up sensibly. Put it into you know. I mean, of course, I'm going to say you should put it into a low fee fund, but you know, and that I think you, you in theory you should make more money than it. I don't care. I'd rather you were in Kiwis, any KiwiSaver fund than nothing, right? Um, and then and just leave it. Just let it work for you. Yeah, let it you do know, its and thing. Get on with your career. Get on with having fun. Get on with falling in love. Get on with all of these things that, you know, because money's pretty bloody boring, actually. Yeah, it doesn't you know. have to be <laughs> complicated. Well, when I say it's boring, there are exciting elements to it and people are excited about it and your readers will be and it's great that people are interested in it, right? But for the vast majority of people, they're confused by it uh, and, and you know, our industry loves apathy and ignorance. Mm. They feed on apathy and ignorance. So I would rather you knew more about money, but even if you don't and you don't want to know about it, that's fine as long as you've got a KiwiSaver account and making a regular contribution you know, that hugely helps in life. Yeah, exactly. And I think having a bit more awareness <coughs> means a bit less a bit less overwhelm as well. And so leading on to the third misconception, this is an interesting one because I think that I don't know, it's a discussion I haven't heard much before, but it's that KiwiSaver doesn't benefit people who work for themselves because they feel like, you know, mm. people who are employed get the employer contribution. They get matched. That's incredible. Yeah. What do I get as someone yeah. who's self-employed? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, as you know, so I'm going to throw that back at them a bit on this one. I say, well, look, you're self-employed. You are your employer. 
Mm. You're the employer and the employee, so you choose yeah. what you pay yourself and KiwiSaver, right? But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of self-employed people who should put the $20 a week in, get the $10 subsidy, and maybe they've got a better use for their money. They invested in their business or, you know, so so I get that. I get that it's not, that while KiwiSaver is useful for them, it may not be as useful if they're not getting the employer contribution. Or maybe you decide to pay yourself more and you put it in via KiwiSaver. But you're right, for the self-employed, they have more choice and they have a decision and you know, I can't make up their mind for any of them that they'll decide what the best use of their money is. But they must, must have a KiwiSaver account and they must put $20 a week into it. Yeah. Because as business people, they are making a poor business decision, a very bad business decision by turning down free money from the government. For sure. It's just a yeah. different type of effective investment for them yeah. as well. So from your perspective, what actually is the biggest benefit of being in KiwiSaver? I think I honestly think the biggest benefit is the government supervision of it, that actually you're investing in a scheme now that's massively politically important to any government. They just cannot afford for it to go wrong, right? It's been the most successful product since the checkbook. Mm. I don't know if you remember what they are, but there used to be these things right called checkbooks. Book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Long time ago, you wrote out a check to pay a bill. Um, since then, we've had the share market crash. We've had the global financial crisis. We've had banks collapsing. So there's a lot of things in New Zealand that investors don't trust, mm. right? It's not a trusted product. KiwiSaver yeah. is now beginning to be very widely trusted. That's because it's so closely supervised. So we make sure that there's no fraud, there's no deception, there are no you know dodgy operators out there using the KiwiSaver brand in order to lure people in to scams and frauds, right? So I think the government supervision of it is really critical. Uh, and so the brand name of KiwiSaver gets to be a brand that people can trust. Mm. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, because it definitely leads to my next thought, which is, are people better off just investing outside of KiwiSaver if some people say that they think... Some some are, sure. You know, there, there are some people who need access to their money earlier. There are some people who feel that they can invest successfully in shares directly. And, and so for all of those people, I understand how the majority of money may not be in KiwiSaver. If they are, are experts or enthusiastic amateurs or whatever, that's cool. I mean, you know, the investment markets exist to offer those people up options. So they're perfectly valid options. It depends on your circumstances. As long as, and sorry to repeat myself, but every single one of them has got to have a KiwiSaver account and put $20 a week into it, mm. right? So uh, I can see how the vast majority of money might be outside of KiwiSaver. That could make perfect sense for some people. But for the most of us, if you've got a trusted brand, a diversified portfolio, a low fee, the employer's contributing to it, or I'm putting an automatic payment into it. It's not like you sit and forget, you don't forget about it, but it, that's a sensible, rational way for most people to be saving for their retirement yeah. or their first home. If you can feel in control of that investment, like yeah. you know, you've made an active choice and you're engaging in your KiwiSaver, yep. then it should be something that's quite low touch. Like you know it's in the right investment because of this timeline or this yeah. Yeah. part of your life. Yeah. And so you shouldn't have to feel like you need to be emotionally involved with it every second. Totally. And if you can go into the app and find out and get comfortable, right? We have this function now we've sort called Where in the World is My Money? And it will show you every day where, where every cent is invested, right? Mm. And a lot of people go to that and just gives them comfort. Oh, phew. You know, I've seen that this company has gone bust. 
well, yes, I may have a little bit in that, but I've got three thousand or four thousand other investments. You know, so the actual amount of money at risk is because if I said to you, <coughs> your KiwiSavers invested in Apple. And you go, oh my God, Apple have just gone down. What has it done? And then you go on and you say, oh yeah, I had $20,000 in my KiwiSaver. $50 is an Apple. Yeah. Oh, I might lose 50 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever. You know what I mean? So so um, information is power and information is comfort. And so in your KiwiSaver, as you can, and this is many providers, you can dive in and find out what it's invested in and that'll give you comfort. Yeah, I think the the transparency is what, gives people the psychological benefit of just feeling calm throughout their yeah. investment. I know for me that I don't want to be so involved that I'm picking which company I'm investing in, but I want to at least know. And I think having that clarity is a really key thing to feeling like you actually are involved in your finances, yeah. which is empowering. And, and it's kind of nice knowing that you own a little bit of a lot of companies, right? Yeah. You know, I know a little bit of Apple or a little bit of, you know, whatever. And another question that often comes up when we're talking about things like this is, you know, the difference between managed funds and individual shares. And yeah. often people might reach out to me and say, I, I'm just getting into investing, I can't wait, I've put all my money into Apple and Tesla. Yep. And I'm thinking in my head like, Ouch. oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, when people talk about funds, why do people typically say that a fund might be better for someone yeah, versus an individual yeah, sure. company? Well, it, 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 you know, it depends. Some funds will be better and some won't. But, but it, here's what I would say. So if you say, I'm going to go into a managed fund, let's, let's call it just a diversified KiwiSaver fund with thousands of investments and low fees. Why would I choose to not do it that way, right? Well, some people love the idea of investing in the brand names that they like and it's been cool and so on and so forth. Now, you can do that. With one, if you don't mind, old man's word of caution here, right? Look at who you are competing against. Because the share market is a competition. It is a competition to make money. There are winners and losers. In fact, for every winner, there is a loser. So in of all the world's financial experts, of all the world's fund managers, of all these investors, what is it that you have that means you'll, you'll win? Mm-hmm. And actually, look, and I can tell you, I am responsible for the investing of $5 billion of people's money here in New Zealand. I supposedly have all of the tools available to me in New Zealand that can be offered or bought or whatever. And I can tell you, we absolutely do not have a competitive advantage in doing that. If, now, if we can't do it with $5 billion sitting in these offices with all this expertise, how can someone else expect that? And they say, you say hold on, Sam, how can you not have a competitive advantage? Well, we're in New Zealand I have no idea what's happening in Apple and Tesla. Why, and why would I know sooner than anybody else? Because even though we've got millions and millions of dollars invested in Apple and Tesla on behalf of our shareholders, that's, you know, I don't know, one ten thousandth of one percent of the value of the company. I'm not going to get any special information. I don't have any special insight, right? So um, you just don't have a competitive advantage. So you don't play games where the odds are stacked against you. It's like going to a casino, in my opinion. You just you might as well be betting on black or red. You know who wins? The casino wins. And in this case, who wins? The financial markets win. The stockbrokers win. The investment banks win. All of those people that actually want you to trade and that feed off you trading these things, whether it's brokerage or whatever it is. So, um, uh, you know, as Warren Buffett would say, we don't play dice with other people's money, right? So that's why we... 
are passive holders of the whole market because we say we have no competitive advantage and the only things where we will do things actively is where we know we have a local domestic competitive advantage where we have what I call an enduring competitive advantage. Over the next 100 years we're likely to win and that's got a lot to do with us being a, a non-profit and a social enterprise and able to get things on beneficial terms and conditions which benefit our members. And also having a long, long-term view with billions of dollars to invest. You do get some advantages there. But um, so, so that's why I would say, I'd say by all means have a flutter if you want. Play around yeah. in it, but you but make that your play money. Mm. Yeah? And because and it's fun. You know, I used to buy and yeah. sell shares. It's good fun, eh? Like, you know, Tesla and Amazon, it's exciting. But m- make sure that you can you only invest what you can afford to lose. And, and make that the fun thing while you're learning. And if you learn with a little bit of money, you'll find out whether or not you win or you lose. Exactly. Right? And then you can take it to an investment level if you want to. But for the vast majority of your money, just keep it in the fund. Yeah. Let someone else do it, look after it, let the government supervise it, let the custodian hold on to it because that's what you need for your first house. That's what you may need for your mm. retirement. That's what you need. You know what what you may want or can afford to lose. Yeah, by all means, go that's and do that. exactly how I feel. I always think, <coughs> but my thinking is always, why would I want to carry the emotional weight of having to yeah invest when I could give it to someone who has, has all the the tools and the resources around yeah. them to be able to do something with it more so than me. You know, you know, I show this chart of the past hundred and twenty two years of the U.S. stock market. It goes up and I say, okay, for all of those people. All of those active fund managers out there, all of those people beat the market. Here's the chart now. Could you tell me what's going to happen tomorrow? No one can say a thing. No one. You can tell me what's going to happen in a week, in a month, because you're investing. You have money invested there. And uh, and, and so it's, well, you know, there are some studies out there which are well res- very well-respected studies which basically show you just can't beat the market. Yeah, you just, not 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 after fees and costs and brokerage and tax and all those sort of things. Or it's not that you can't. It's just that very very few people do. And are you going to be one of those few? Do you have that competitive advantage? I mean, if you not do, me. if you do, come and work for us. And <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. But but, uh, but no, the vast majority of people don't. Okay, it makes complete sense, and it leads us to our last misconception, which we've kind of already touched on. But is KiwiSaver a set? And forget scheme. Oh no, no, no! You, you've got heaps of choice, right? I think there are what twenty-six different managers, and there are hundreds of different funds available. Yeah, and you can switch online in a couple of minutes. Super easy to move it around. The sort sorted website showed that an average person saving on the average salary, saving the average amount in KiwiSaver, will pay about forty-four thousand dollars in fees over their lifetime. Average person pays about $22,000 for their mobile phone and about 31000 for their power, right? So if you said to someone, you know, lifetime KiwiSaver fees could be more than your power bill, they'd go, whoa, pay a lot more attention to it, right? But um, a lot of people don't want you to care. Or they just want to make it easy enough so that you don't get curious. Yeah. And this is the great thing about your podcast and all of those people out there who want to educate people into saying, just get curious. You don't have to be massively curious. You don't have to become an expert. But just, you know, just, just care a little. Exactly. And then, and then find out some basic stuff. And 
then you can get your settings right and maybe come and revisit every few years or whatever. Yeah, just take little baby steps. I think having that active <laughs> engagement is one of the most important yeah. things. And, you know, there's so much that comes along with that. People feeling like, I don't know anything about money, so I don't want to put myself in a position yeah. where I look stupid and then I don't yeah, want to reach exactly. out for help and all of those kinds of things. You know, you, you said it. exactly, you know, you've hit on a really, really important thing there. Like, most people are actually money experts. They don't realise that, look, if you've got a job and a salary and you pay rent and you get food and you have to pay your power bills and you've got to buy a car and you've got to do all of this thing, all of that involves money. It all involves money. And, and you're doing it well. Anyone who is living a normal life is actually in one sense a money expert, right? Money comes in, money goes out, they deal with it. Our industry wants people to think, oh, it's, oh, it's difficult and complex, so we use fancy words like equities instead of shares, you know, mm. bonds instead of fixed interest. We invent this whole language which makes us appear like the priests over the only ones who could read the bible right yeah and and but tr- tr- take it from me money's really simple and investing's really simple the basics are super simple i mean you know we've i wrote this little booklet last year called money made simple same thing you can read it in two hours and it's kind of like most of what you will need to know about money in your life and it's just really simple principles right um and and uh, uh, because complexity in our industry is profit, right? Uh, fancy language and you not paying attention means we can charge you more, yeah. right? But as soon as you pay attention to these things, you start taking more control and it doesn't have to be complex because it's not. No, I remember when I started this podcast, you know, I've interviewed, I've done over 180 episodes wow. now. and I've congratulations. Spoken, thanks. Awesome. I've spoken to so many people and after a while I started thinking, it feels like the same themes are coming oh. through time and time again. Look, and, and look, take it from me. I've, you know, run derivatives businesses, run insurance companies, fund managers, banks, everything. You know, you, you can see I'm old enough and to, to have done have done a lot of these things. I can I absolutely, one of the reasons we set it up, simplicity, one reason we called it simplicity is because f- the fundamental truths about money and particularly from investing are very, very simple. Mm. That You know, they're, you know, diversify your investments, pay the lowest fees you can, do it with someone you trust, make sure the government regulates it. You know, you can read this little booklet, it's online, it's free. It's so simple. And then you don't have to worry. And by the way, that's how I organise my own money. That's all I do. I own my house, I have my KiwiSaver fund. That's it. Nothing, and, a, and a rainy day fund. Yeah. You know, in the bank. That's it. Nothing else. No complexity, no options, this and... yeah warrants that and shares this and direct syndications that. I mean, I could do all of that stuff, but I know that that stuff is fundamentally designed to make other people money, not to make you money. Mm. It's driven by people who are running for-profit businesses who want you to invest as much as possible so they can charge the highest fee possible so they can make as much money as possible, which is why you know we're sitting up in an office building now and I'm looking at a marina <clears throat> when I know the finance industry people own a lot more of those boats than their customers do. And look at KiwiSaver fees this year, well last year, $822 million of fees. $822 million of KiwiSaver fees. The actual amount of capital required to set up those KiwiSaver managers, basically zero. No capital required to be deposited with a reserve bank, which is even what a bank has to do to exist. It's even cheaper to become a KiwiSaver manager than a bank. And so, um, you know, hugely, massively lucrative trading principally on your ignorance, wanting you to just put money in and leave it there and not think about it. Because you know our industry will say, well, we only charge 1%, for example. 1% doesn't sound much, does it? 
But that's if, if, if I said, well, actually, what we're going to charge you is one percent of everything you're worth. So if you owned a if, if you owned a house worth a million dollars, I said your rates bill is one percent. Oh, that sounds okay. Oh, that could you give me ten thousand dollars, please? What ten thousand dollars for rates? So, <clears throat> you know, one of the things we lobbied the government for, and they did was actually put on your annual statement now what you're charged in dollars and cents as a fee mm. rather than a percentage. In fact, and I think it should be mandatory on your website that you were told how much you were charged in fees this month. Just like you get told when you a power bill. It costs exactly. you this much for power this much or <clears throat> your rent bill or your mobile phone bill, right? So our industry loves you to be ignorant because it's hugely lucrative if you are. Yeah, and speaking of a space where people tend to not maybe be ignorant, but they aren't making an active choice necessarily, is when mm. people stay in their default provider for yeah. the rest of their life and they yeah. never have an, they're never actively engaged in it. But Simplicity is now a default provider. Yeah. yeah so yeah. what does that mean, you guys? Well, I think you should always look at what you're in, right? So even though you put into a default fund, you can go online to the sorted. It's on the default provider's website, so you can go, it's the same uh, rules as the sorted website. Just go to sorted if you want to trust the government-owned website. And go there, and you just only have to answer, I think it's three questions, mm. and it'll tell you what sort of fund you should be in, balance, growth, defense, or whatever. That's a really good start. Then go to the sorted website, and you know, have a look, and and don't don't be intimidated. There'll be lots of funds to choose from, but you choose the criteria: highest returns, lowest fees, whatever, whatever matters to you. And um, boom, hey presto, there it is. And then go onto their website and switch. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can take back the power. You know, you you are not. You have complete freedom about where your Kiwi Seven money is, and if you just took. You know, I'm sure if we listened to some of your websites and just took 15 minutes. If, if I said to you, if I could just have 15 minutes of your time and we'll get your retirement savings sorted out for the next five years, is that a good use of 15 minutes of your time? <clears throat> you know, let's take 15 minutes away from Instagram and just go on one website and do some planning, right? I mean, it's yeah. just, it's crazy, eh? And yet, a lot of people don't do it because they're scared of money because they don't understand it and so you just you walk away from stuff you don't understand or scared of right you yeah. avoid it but it's your money you have the power and you have a whole lot of people who are in the sense of the sorted website or money hub or your podcast there's a whole lot of people out there who are using plain english to explain how you can take back the power and you really can and 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 once you do that, then, you know, it's your money, your choice, your life. Um, but, you you know, most people are really smart. Most mm. people are able to work this out really easily. Yeah. Most people make the right decisions for their lives most of the time. Yeah. And the thing is, I think you might not know all the little <laughs> nuances about ki the KiwiSaver product, but you do know your own situation. You do mm. know what your goals are. Like, more than anyone, totally. you know what you want for your life. And so you just need to apply that lens to yeah. what is your KiwiSaver yeah. doing, and then that puts you yeah. in the right and, position. And heaps of KiwiSaver managers have tools and calculators that allow you to, you know, don't be intimidated by a little bit of graph. They just ask you to put in three numbers, how old you are, what number you are, and Boom, it pops it out. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Eh? And when you see people who turn 65 and they're scared about their retirement, and then you, we've got a retirement calculator on our site, you put the money in and you say, okay, I want to think I'm going to live till this long. I want to um, you know, have this much money in. And then they say, and then we say, well, you can withdraw, you know, 
$1,000 a week for the rest of your life and you're going to be okay. You want to throw National Super into that, you're going to have $1,300 a week. And you go, Phew, like the relief. So you, you, you want to take the... the the, the, the tension and the fear out of this. Yeah, it's just the knowing. Yeah, yeah, m- money's not scary. Money's your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it should be. It should yeah. be a tool and a resource you use. Yeah, yeah. Another part of that conversation that I always find quite interesting is how, you know, what, are we sh- what should we be thinking about when we're assessing providers? You know, we can look at funds, mm. we can look at mm. rates, but do providers <coughs> matter or is it just matters that we're in the right fund? Yeah, it does. Yeah, providers matter. So, and of course, I'm going to say that right because I'm a provider. <laughs> but let, let me let me um, let me explain why we do things the way we do, and why and therefore why providers matter. So, <clears throat> Simplicity was set up with four people round a kitchen table, and we said we want to make the biggest difference in the world. We're going to run a non-for-profit. It's going to be owned by a charity. It's going to be a KiwiSaver manager because that's the area we've been in. That's our area of expertise. So we said basically, okay, we have no personal incentive at all doesn't matter how successfully simplicity goes we won't get paid a dollar more or a dollar less there's no bonuses there's no shares there's no nothing around here so we were completely open-minded about how we could manage money we could have put it all into forests we could have put it all into high growth companies we could have been really active if we thought that that was the way of making people the most money because that's all we care about around here so what do we choose to do we chose to go for a very diversified, what we call passive portfolios, own a little bit of, bit of everything, you know, 4,000 different investments, and charge the lowest fee. Why are we fees obsessed around here? Because the studies, the academic literature, is very, very clear on this. The most important thing is fees. In terms of long-term returns, the most important thing is fees. Because for exactly what I said about that 1%, because let, 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 me, let me rephrase this. Let's say... The sorted says you're going to make you make five percent. If your fee is one percent, right? That means one percent of five percent is actually twenty percent of everything you make. So if I told you your fee's not one percent, your fee is twenty percent of what you can reasonably make, you go shh, shit. <laughs> that's not a fee. That's a tax, mm. right? Some people pay less than that in tax. That's why fees matter. Because it's such a huge chunk of what you make. If I said to you, you've got a salary of $5 today, I'm going to take a dollar. As opposed to a low fee if I said I'm going to take 30 cents, or in our case 29 cents. That means you're actually 61 cents richer every day. Mm. That really matters, eh? So that's why, that's why we are so paranoid about fees. And by the way, our fees are very, very low, 29 base points. I think they're way too high. I want us to get much bigger so we can get them much, much lower because I know that every dollar we save in fees goes to the pockets of our members and because of Albert Einstein, it compounds up over time, right? One dollar that you take away now in fees is actually worth many dollars by the time you retire because it hasn't stayed in your account and earned you money all the way along. So, you know, the the actual diminishment in your wealth from paying a normal fee as opposed to a low fee is huge, in many cases, it's north of $100,000 of what you basically forego because that money didn't stay in the account earning for you. So that's why we chose a simplicity, non-profit owned by charity, to focus on low fees and a diversified passive. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some areas where actually we think we can make more money here in New Zealand by, for example, in affordable housing, doing first low-cost first-home mortgages, 
investing in some startup growth companies where we have a local advantage. We have a lot of money. We're investing for a very long time. We're a non-profit and a social enterprise, so people give us deals and favours all the time on these things, which benefit our members. There are some that's for about ten percent of our money, but for ninety percent of it. Oh, and by the way, that ten percent charges the same low fee. There's no more fees there, but the vast majority of it just be paranoid about fees. It's like with food. Trust me, financial products are like tins of baked beans. Got the same, just different wrappers, same baked beans. So, you know, do you pay attention to what you pay for food? Pay attention to what you pay for your mobile phone? Power, you should pay attention to what you pay for KiwiSaver because it's a huge amount of money. That's why our industry made $820 million in fees last year and almost nobody thought about it, right? Can I ask you a question? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you know what you paid in KiwiSaver fees in dollars and cents last year? No, and I feel terrible because I just checked my annual statement <coughs> and I didn't yeah. even look at it. Do you know what your mobile phone bill is every month? Sort of? Yeah. You sort of know what your power bill is every month, yeah, right? You, sure. know, you certainly know what you pay for in food. No one has any idea. <laughs> and, and you know what? Our industry loves you to be ignorant. That is yeah. just perfect. Thank you very much. So uh, so that's why there is a difference in managers because of the fees charge. There's also a difference in the investment style. So some people will do it differently than others. And, you know, you can get curious about that. The vast majority of default schemes are just very diversified. They look and feel very much the same. Um, and they're okay for a lot of people. But just, you know, spend 15 minutes, just check it out. It's your money. And 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 there's, there's a heap of choice and you can move very easily. That's the other illusion, right? Mm. You know, when we set up Simplicity, we didn't set it up for two years because when we first wanted to do it, you had to sign a piece of paper in order to switch your KiwiSaver account. That means you had to take it into a bank. So that means you needed to be a bank. It was so inaccessible, so difficult. Yeah when we actually lobbied to get the regulation changed that said you can move online, suddenly you could compete without owning bank branches or having salespeople coming and knocking on your door and saying sign this piece of paper or whatever. So, And that's now made KiwiSaver very competitive. There are 26 managers, hundreds of schemes. You've got lots of choice. Mm. Um, yeah, and just, just kick the tyres, check it out. And, and don't, you know... Don't go to a manager's website. Go to Money Hub. Go to Sorted. Go to any one of these people who, for a living, and dispassionately talk about what might be the best and just make up your own mind. Because yeah. you can. You are smart. You, you know what's best for you. Why is a bank or even why is Simplicity going to tell you what's best for you? Mm. You know what's best for you. Yeah, you've got to yeah. believe in your own knowledge of your yeah. situation. Yeah. Listen to your podcasts. Too true. Yeah. And to conclude this misconception off something that's really important to talk about is the types of funds for each yeah, life stage and sure. why we would consider changing funds and which one we're going to go and yeah. look at. Well, I think a really simple one there is just use the tool on the sorted website, um, which will ask you three questions and it'll give you the type of fund that suits you. Look, I, 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 I would say this uh, on top of that. This is actually my personal opinion, right? So this is not... Not, not, not the official, the official word, but it's my personal opinion. People are going to live much longer than you think, and as long as you can handle the ups and downs, that volatility we talked about, you will make more money over time if you take on more risk. If you're in a growth or high growth fund as opposed to a balanced or conservative fund, 
if you've got the stomach for that, if you can handle it going up and down, if when the next COVID comes along, you can just say, okay, I get that the markets have gone down, but now I'm buying investments on sale. It's very diversified. It's low fee. If you can handle that, uh, then I personally think people should be, you know, in growth funds for longer. So in my personal circumstance, uh, I will never not be in a growth fund because I, even when I'm retiring, I'm only taking out a certain amount per week and I just want to have those extra returns. But I can handle the volatility because I know it's diversified. I know that these things don't last forever. But it's very personal that, right? So that's my, my personal view is you'll make more money doing it that way. But if you don't have a strong view like that, then just you know go to that website, ask three questions and it'll tell you in the different stages in life. It might yeah. change, right? Yeah, because people tend to happy with more risk earlier on in life and want less and less risk as they get older in life because okay. they want to keep those nuts close, right? They want to feel comfortable. A lot of people put it in bank term deposits, and that might be appropriate for them too, right? It all depends on 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 who you are. Yeah, overall uh, comes back to having that active engagement. I yeah, suppose. exactly. And a little knowledge is a very powerful thing. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Sam. Well, Again, thank you a for second having time. Me. Thank you, lovely. Yes, I really appreciate really your time. Well, 180 podcasts, I mean, high five for that. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, it's been a wild ride, three years, but yeah. love it. So it's good that we can get information like well, this we, out there. We, we passionately love people who just want to make people more informed. So thank you on behalf of New Zealand, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, it's really cool. Cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there. Just a quick disclaimer that The One Up Project is an educational platform that provides information that is general in nature. There may be opinions or an individual's experience within this resource that should not be considered as recommendations or personal advice. Everyone's financial situation is so different and you must use the information within this resource at your own risk. Please complete your own due diligence before making any decisions based on the information in this resource. I'm not a financial advisor and if you require expert advice then please seek advice from a professional.